Hello and welcome to the HPP Podcast. I am your host, Arden Castle, and this week's episode comes from our People and Places collection. If you love visuals, I suggest checking out our YouTube channel for the video version of this interview. Enjoy! Hello and welcome. This is Health Promotion Practices Author Interviews, and my name is Arden Castle. Each episode will explore a recently published article and its author. This week, I'm joined by Dr. Joseph Lee, author of Perceived Importance of Health Concerns Among Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Adults in a National Probability-Based Phone Survey in 2017, which was published in February of 2020. This episode is focused on the findings of his paper, which is just one part of a three-part series with Dr. Joseph Lee. Tune into our other episodes to hear more about him and our other authors. So I just want to start off by saying congratulations. You have just published three articles in health promotion practice during 2020. Super amazing. I would like to talk about your article titled Perceived Importance of Health Concerns Among Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender Adults in a National Probability-Based Phone Survey 2017, which was published um, in February of 2020. Can you give us a quick like, two-minute summary of the article? Yeah, we were really interested in what LGBT people think are the most important health issues facing our communities. And we were interested in seeing if that matched what some of the diseases and health problems that cause the largest amount of death and disability are in the, in the US. We think it's really important to know kind of what communities are thinking about the importance of problems because things that we think are important as a person means you're more potentially more likely to do stuff to protect yourself or change your behaviors related to it, but they're also really important for policy advocacy. So it's easier to galvanize a community around addressing a problem that everyone thinks is a problem. But if we have some other health issues that are significant, cause a whole lot of death and disability, like smoking or tobacco use, but if the community doesn't think that's a problem, it's hard to build that momentum to do stuff about it. That makes a lot of sense, kind of assessing where the community is based off of what they identify and then the research needs. For those of us who are not as familiar with the term SGM, can you define it for us? Because you use it in the paper. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah, so SGM means sexual and gender minority. So sometimes we use it to sort of capture all the letters in the LGBTQ acronym regardless of its, if it's how people identify people's behavior or people's attraction. So this SGM acronym tries to be like an umbrella term to capture everybody in all of those, in all of the groups in our rainbow, if you will. Excellent, I like that. And then in the paper, there's a line that states, not all problems receive attention proportionate to their actual contribution to premature death and diseases. Can you talk about the gaps in the literature and what drove you and your fellow authors to conduct this research, like you mentioned in your quick summary that, you know, identifying what the community needs versus the research and then the gaps in the literature? Yeah, so I have to admit most of us involved in the paper are tobacco prevention researchers. So we spend a lot of time thinking about tobacco use and chronic diseases. And at this point in the US, chronic diseases are a leading cause of preventable death. And tobacco use is one of the leading causes 
if not the leading cause of preventable death and disease. However, we know that like when I think about LGBT health, what comes to mind first for me at least is thinking about HIV AIDS because it's historically been and remains in many ways so incredibly important for LGBT health. And then I think about mental health and I think about violent victimization, like so all these things come to mind, but they aren't necessarily the things that cause the largest amount of death and disability. And so we really wanted to get a better feel for how the public or the LGBT public was thinking about these different problems facing LGBT communities. And just to even expand on that a little bit more, we've seen even among people living with HIV who are in care getting treatment, the leading cause of death is no longer AIDS. It's now tobacco-related diseases or other chronic diseases. So it seems like a good time as we sort of hit this transition point to really get a better understanding of how people are thinking about the health problems facing our communities. Interesting. And then in order to identify these salient beliefs held by the community, what were your methods for surveying the population? So we added on an LGBT sample to an existing probability-based phone survey that was being run by the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill to look at tobacco use and that they have a whole series of studies about how to best regulate tobacco products funded by the Food and Drug Administration. So we were able to add on to that. So we got this large sample that was done using high quality statistics to get a probability-based sample. And then we used the LGBT people in that, called them to add them into this LGBT-specific survey, and then got referrals from them to other LGBT people they know, which is known as respondent-driven sampling. But because it was respondent-driven sampling from an probability-based study, we're able to keep those probabilities, and this is fancier than I am, but the statisticians helped us sort of take that and sort of calculate so we could keep it a representative sample using the, the survey weights that we had. Sorry, I hope that wasn't too much detail there. No, I think that's really exciting, and I think that, you know, there are so many moving pieces in research. I think it's interesting to look at the methods, and I like that you've preserved that, that generalizability. In, in addition to, you know, the small select group that you're interviewing, how did you decide to ask them about alcohol abuse, hate crimes, HIV, AIDS, smoking, and suicide? What informed that list? Yeah, so we took the, basically the things we thought would be most salient to the community and the things that have some of the biggest contribution to premature death and disease in the U.S. and made that list. But we separately also asked them an open-ended question about what they thought was the most pressing issue to the community, which we asked first. So we didn't, they didn't see that list at first. First, we asked them just in their own words what they thought the biggest problem facing the community was. Then we went and got them to rate different ones so we could sort of look at this question from two different angles. I like that because you're not, you're not priming them with these answers already. You're able to get like a true qualitative question. And then after analyzing these results, what did you find and how did these findings differ across the respondents? I think one of the most striking things we found was that more people 
when asked in the open-ended question what they thought was the biggest problem facing LGBT communities, more people said there wasn't a difference from straight folks than said some of the biggest problems we have. So there is a major disconnect between what the LGBT public thinks about health issues facing the community and the actual health issues facing the community in terms of death and disease and just the, the, the quantity of death and disease. Interesting. And then in your paper, you state our findings suggest that health issues connected to immediate harms, for example, HIV infection, health services access and violence, these are more salient and therefore perceived as more serious to SGM adults as compared to more distal harms such as chronic disease. And how do these concerns align with the general public's concerns? I know that you kind of touched on this, that they didn't see that there was this difference, but in terms of more of the more immediate harms versus these distal and chronic diseases. I think it, it maps on fairly well. I mean, like a lot of the population is really worried about access to healthcare, about health insurance. And we saw that in other studies with the general US population, that people are very concerned about access to healthcare and insurance coverage. Okay, interesting. And then as we kind of think about these findings and, and wrap up our interview, we know that there's work to be done with SGM populations. What do you suggest that we do? How do we move forward from here? I, I think it's a challenge, but I think it's all about sort of connecting the public health programs and agencies working on these issues with community organizations interested in the well-being of LGBT communities. And so we have to find a way to get, for example, the chronic disease folks in public health talking to LGBT community organizations that also care about LGBT health and see if we can pull those two pieces together to work on policy changes and awareness raising within the community to further advance the policy changes. Excellent. I love it. And policies, you know, as big as it gets. So I like the systems perspective and thinking, you know, about how we can influence the health for the most people at, at, with one fell swoop. So Thank you, Dr. Joseph Lee, for joining us today, and thank you all for listening in. If you'd like to find out more about our guest this week, you can reach him here. And follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook for more author interviews. Thank you for listening to this week's episode from the HPP podcast. If you enjoyed this content, let us know. You can find more from us on our website, social media, Sophie, and Sage, and you can find all of these links in the podcast description. Take care.